It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is Sunday, October the 9th, 2022, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live from beautiful Austin, Texas, and we have another great program in store for you today. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us as usual to make the, ru- the show run smoothly. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined by Bill Davis of the Single Payer Action Network in Ohio. And Bill will discuss Medicare for All. What is it? What are the benefits? And how are some of our what how about some of our concerns about it? Bill will break it all down for us. And then we'll get to hear the twins in Bay of Vendettas, Mexico, Minerva and Ruben, and they'll be taking us to another Mexico travel destination, one of the most populated cities in the world, Mexico City. And along the way, I'll talk a little bit more about the journey of living a passionate life and dealing with the critics along our path. After the show, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website and the link to the podcast along with any website links that we discuss on the program will be posted. And you can hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And you'll also be able to hear it on Apple Podcasts right after the show. And for information from previous programs, to listen to previous programs, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com. You can also hear it all on blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And all of the shows since we started on Blog Talk Radio are posted on Apple Podcasts. And for upcoming shows and events, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtual, anything can be found to fill your day connecting with others. So be more active, start connecting with other people, and go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. All right, so we're going to take a brief break. Um, It's going to be very brief, so don't go anywhere, because when we come back, Bill Davis will be right here to discuss single-payer action network, which many know as Medicare for All. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. 
Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpel and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com. And now joining us on the phone is Bill Davis of the Single Payer Action Network to talk about what some might call Medicare for All or universal health care, and he will break it down for us. Welcome, Bill. Well, good afternoon, Mara. I'm really pleased to be here today, and yes. um, this is this is an issue that uh, is getting kicked around all over the place now, and, and it's become more popular, and we're getting more uh, a little more press, and um, it's it's good to be able to share with your listeners. Um, the Single Payer Action Network Ohio is the group that has been around for 20 years now, and um, it was formed by uh, some physicians that belong to the Physicians for a National Health Program, and um, we we support uh, Medicare for All, but Medicare for All is really a shorthand for a single payer system that is uh, that is not Medicare, but an improved replacement for Medicare that would not require any supplement or advantage plans to make up the difference. Okay, the Medicare has parts A and B, and uh, C and D and E and F and G, and it, it's crazy. But uh-huh. uh, what we want to do is just uh, replace Medicaid and CHIP and all the many disjointed programs that serve different groups that have friends in Congress uh, to um, make sure that everyone is covered. It, okay. It's comprehensive. Go ahead. No, I just I, I just want to remind you there's a little bit of a delay, so so, so that might be a, an issue just a half a second. But I wanted to ask um, to clarify that a bit. So Medicare for all that people that's how people know it as right Medicare for all. It's not actually through Medicare. That's just the the slang that's used. Is that correct? Right. But, yeah, Me- Medicare for All is just kind of the shorthand um, for a new and improved placement for what we know today as Medicare. Some people hear Medicare for All and they say, well, why would I want that? Medicare is great. And um, it for what it does, it is great. But it does require uh, a supplement or, a, you know, some kind of a gap policy. And that's an at an additional cost. And um, so what we want to do is uh, lower the costs or eliminate costs uh, for anybody uh, as far as out-of-pocket goes 
um, when it comes time to go and see a doctor. Okay, we, we don't want to mm-hmm. have cost of, uh, of any amount to be a barrier to care. And, okay. Um, so that's, so since, that's what we're aiming for. So since it's not actually Medicare, officially Medicare, um, that it seems like maybe some of the concerns people have with issues, you know, that they have with Medicare might not be an issue with this um, single-payer plan. So, for example, you and I had a conversation on the phone a while back, and I was saying that I'm a Medicare provider as a psychologist, and not all providers are equally um, compensated. So, like, a psychiatrist gets paid a different amount. Um, They they get different compensation than a psychologist with a Ph.D., and our pay – as a provider, hasn't gone up. In fact, it's gone down over the last 20 years so that many psychologists cannot afford to fill their practice with Medicare patients. Um, Otherwise, they would go bankrupt. So it sounds like if it's not really Medicare, it's a a completely different um, type of insurance, but that might not be an issue. Is that right, that it would be more of a fair compensation for their providers? Absolutely. Uh, Providers would be more fairly compensated. Uh, Some of the specialties, or not specialties, but uh, uh, primary care physicians uh, seem to be undervalued in our present system. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that everybody has access to primary care, and, and so there would be incentives to um, get more medical students into, uh, you know, in primary care. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of, well, there are so many different aspects. I mean, this, this is just a huge, huge, um, you know, list of things that have to be considered. But um, in general, you know, there would be a, an improvement in um, reimbursements. And, and we would have one system with reimbursements based on uh, geographic regions because there, there are differences in the cost of living. Mm-hmm. And um, so that would all be worked out, but it would be, it would be a, a schedule, a fee schedule uh, based on the region and uh, every uh, every profession would be compensated uh, adequately. Okay. And, you know, okay. that was a question that came up in uh, Canada, and they they seem satisfied enough with uh, the way they're being paid at, at the rates that they're getting. So uh, right. I, I don't think it's as much of a concern except maybe for some of the uh, surgeons that are replacing hips all the time and, you know, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe um, close to a million dollars. And and that may not be um, be able to be sustained. Mm-hmm. Just as an so example. So let's, let's talk about that. You know, a lot of people have concerns about the cost of this and talk about sustainability. Um, how is this? How would this be paid for? 
Well, that's that's a good question. Uh, a lot of people ask, can we afford universal coverage? And um, absolutely yes. Uh, we already pay enough for health care for all. We just don't get it. Um, Americans already have the highest health spending in the world, but we get less care uh, from doctors and in the hospitals uh, than people in many other industrialized countries because we pay for health care through a patchwork of private insurance companies. About a third of our health care spending goes to administration. And replacing private insurers with a national uh, health program would recover money currently squandered on billing, marketing, underwriting, and other activities that sustain insurers' prof uh, profits but divert resources from care. Um, this amount may be a little dated now, but uh, potential savings from eliminating the waste have been estimated at $500 billion per year. Uh, combined with what we're already spending, this is more than enough to provide comprehensive coverage for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, listeners out there have had this experience. I, you know, it's, uh, uh, I've had the experience, and I'm self-insured because I am self-employed, so I don't have an employer paying for my insurance. Um, so I, I pay quite a bit for insurance, and... It seems as though it's a it's a good insurance at the time that I purchase it, but I learned um, different <laughs> about a year and a half ago when I fell and broke my arm, and um, turned out that my insurance didn't cover quite a bit of the expenses, and I was actually. I had to pay as an uninsured patient the hospital, the emergency room, and some of the medical care, the imaging, x-rays, MRI, that kind of thing. They actually charged me as an uninsured patient so that I wouldn't have to pay the full amount because it was so high and my insurance came back and said, sorry, we don't cover that. For a simple yeah, that's... broken bone, you know, most people think, oh, I have insurance. I'm going to go to the emergency room. I'll be covered. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a shocking reality uh, in many cases. Uh, people are finding that, you know, if they, I mean, you know, there's an awful lot of fine print and a lot of pages of it in an insurance contract. And people don't usually realize that they're underinsured um, until they have to dig in and see what who's going to pay the bill when they start getting the statements. And um, that's certainly a, a huge concern for advocates. You know, we feel like, um, you know, anybody that doesn't want Medicare for all just doesn't know that much about it. And, and they've made assumptions like they assume that they're, insurance through their employer is going to cover them for whatever they need. And, you know, 50 years ago that might have been true, but there's just been so many um, nuances added to these contracts that uh, um, people end up losing. And it's, mm -hmm. um, it's really criminal. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's really interesting because you think that you've gotten the whole bill and suddenly you get all the other bills that every single person that showed up in that room is sending you a different bill. <laughs> so you have yeah. the emergency yeah, room. Now you have to, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, okay, that's, that, that's um, a lot of money. That's why there's so much waste and, and so much administrative cost that can be recovered by replacing the insurance companies is because uh, all these different procedures and supplies that are used in, in providing care uh, have one price if it's Medicare and another price if it's Medicaid, but where, where Medicaid has been privatized to a degree and you've got a half a dozen different insurers writing Medicaid mm-hmm. policies, uh, all the different Medicaids aren't the same either. So you've got, and and then all the private insurance um, contracts that are bought by employers or by individuals uh, through the marketplace with uh, the ACA all have different prices for uh, the procedures that are available. And it just makes it an accounting nightmare and very... Mm -hmm very difficult to deal with, very expensive. Mm-hmm. It's so complex. It makes it very expensive. Right, right. And, and honest, I used to be a Medicaid, Medicare and Medicaid provider, and I had to drop Medicaid because they privatized and had so many different companies that I would have had, I pay someone to do my application and credentialing because it takes so much time. It would have cost me more to credential for each of the companies than I would have been paid to see clients through those different Medicaid yeah. companies. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, you find a lot of savings involved by by that too. If you have just one payer, you don't have to deal with credentialing for many insurance companies, like like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, people don't realize it's not simple. It takes a long time, to, you know, it takes a lot of hours to do all that credentialing. And um, there aren't enough hours in the week to do that and also see people. So, um, so, so I, you know, how did, medi- I mean, how did COVID over the past two and a half years, how did that um, affect our insurance and and our awareness of the weak the weak spots of our healthcare system. Well, um, COVID, the the seriousness of it has, um, or, or the the volume of it has diminished some because of the effectiveness of vaccines and and people, uh, you know, practicing good. Um, good habits of wearing masks and staying out of places that there's a lot of people indoors and that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, we're starting to see that the insurance companies have made, and and the hospitals have made a great deal of money, uh, a lot more profit than you would have expected. Um, Hmm. And, um, that's that's kind of ironic, but um, they really haven't 
I mean, they were given a lot of money to help them uh, weather this pandemic storm, and they've uh, they've needed it in a lot of cases. But it seems like there's there's been a lot of profits being made as well. And the the sad part about this is that um, the COVID money was only temporary. You know, this like we have uh, this is a sick care non-system that we have, okay, of, of programs. And there were programs passed uh, by Congress that covered, um, covered this period of COVID. And, and those programs are running out. And so uh, the amounts of money that, that were being infused into the medical system are, are stopping and it's causing problems. Hospitals are still closing. Um, hmm. And uh, services in, other, in hospitals that aren't closing are being terminated. Uh, we had a local um, hospital that has ceased offering uh, maternity care. And oh. um, so, so anybody that is ready to have a baby needs to somehow make sure that they uh, – and get to a delivery room um, in the time. I mean, it just <laughs> Mother Nature doesn't always go on the timeline required right. for people to drive to a hospital. You know, so it's I'd, certainly I'm so happy that um, my my fathering days are over and I don't have to worry about these problems, taking my wife where she needs to be, when she needs to be there for mm-hmm. care. It, it's just, it's just unfathom, unfathomable. So, um, but there, there are a lot of things going on um, related to that. And um, with the COVID money running out, the, the hospitals are uh, throwing up their arms and they're laying off people and they're closing facilities and and and, hmm. um, and services and it's I I really don't follow that extremely closely but I think you know the generalities uh, that I've shared uh, can be searched and you know people will find what they find and and I I think that um, you know they'll see what the problem is and. And we just need uh, to pay for care in a different way. And uh, cutting out the insurance companies is seems like the most logical way. Um, there are over 30 countries, uh, mostly in Europe, I think, that um, have universal health care. And um, most of them, uh, have single payer systems. The ones that don't have single payer systems may uh, do some of the privatization type things that we are doing here with insurance companies managing Medicaid and Medicare uh, in places. It, and all that depends on states and what state you're in. But um, the the thing is that is that the, in these other countries the regulations are written pretty tight so that these insurance companies 
have to offer policies that are comprehensive and, uh, in other words, they provide all the care, all necessary medical care, whether it's um, in, a, in a doctor or in a hospital setting or in a dental office or an optometry or hearing um, care provider. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they don't get away with um, the kind of stuff that the insurance companies here get away with. And, right. and all so of this is kinda, part of it's money in politics. Yeah, so I know that, you know, if you go if you go through an insurance company to get, you know, a procedure, your insurance company can say no, we don't we're not going to pay for that procedure. We you're going to have to take a cheaper procedure or che- cheaper right. treatment. Um would that be something that would be would be better with a single payer that you would get the type of treatment that you really need and not take the lesser one because it's less expensive? Absolutely. I I believe that uh, uh, with your own experience, you probably understand that Medicare is a lot less invasive in the relationship you have with your patients than the insurance companies are. And um, the the relationship without all these private insurance companies that are driven by maximizing profit, and so they dream up new new ways of uh, interfering with medical decisions mm-hmm. um, that just denies and delays care and makes them more money. Um, you know, all that would be eliminated. How about choice? I know that was a big issue when, you know, when we went to the uh, Affordable Care Act that people were concerned about losing their favorite doctors. Um, yeah. Would, would, that, um, would this affect that? Well, the, the funny part is, is uh, you know, the, the industry runs their propaganda ads about freedom to choose. But the, the irony is, is that you don't really have any freedom at all now, uh, because if if you're working and your employer provides care, he signs up with who's going to give him the best deal, and you know that's not something that the employees have anything to do with unless they're represented by a, a good union uh, that can do some of that negotiating for them. The, the choice is uh, if your employer is huge enough so that they can offer multiple plans, you might be able to cho- choose between a couple of their different plans. But uh, those plans all have uh, networks of, uh, in a lot of cases, networks of providers, and uh, Medicare Advantage plans are like that. You, you know, if you... Um, if you want to get a, an advantage plan, you need to check and make sure that your doctor's in the network. And mm-hmm. um, otherwise, you you may not be able to keep your doctor. And so really the choice comes down to if, if you have single payer, all the doctors are involved in that. Mm-hmm. The so there's no, you know, maybe no 5% of them won't be. You know, mm-hmm. but um, the that frees 
patients to go to any doctor they want. You know, they're not constrained by the networks that have been uh, concocted by the insurance companies. Right. Well, that makes sense. So, re- yeah, instead of yeah. having it, instead of uh, somebody else making a choice of what insurance companies you can use, you know, you have the choice of any provider you want. Mhm. Mhm. So, so if people are interested, I mean, there's a lot of information out there about this. Um, you know, the, the actual factual information rather than the the lies that are are told by insurance companies to to you know keep people scared of moving into something like this. What would be the best way for people to find the accurate information? Well, there, uh, you're, you're right. There's a tremendous amount of information, and and depending on the uh, number of volunteers that some of these organizations have, uh, the information that they have is, uh, you know, kept more up to date than others, but. I think, um, you know, like the Physicians for National Health Program has um, pnhp.org is their website, and they have um, a list of member resources, uh, including a film room, which has a list of um, videos that are excellent. And um, there's another group called... um, Business Leaders for Healthcare Transformation, and that was started mm-hmm. back around 2015. Um, Richard Master came to um, a single-payer conference in Chicago in 2015, and he gave out hundreds of DVDs for us to use in organizing and to um, help explain what the issues are. And he, uh, he's made a few more videos since, and, um, you know, I, I would recommend people in business to check out Business Leaders for Healthcare Transformation. It, it has a lot of good resources. And um, then, of course, Health Span Ohio uh, has a .org uh, website that has a great deal of information on it. And uh, Healthcare Now is another national partner that um, that is running a census this year. We we wanted to talk with 10,000 uh, people across the country by the end of the year to get a good feel for where the uh, trouble spots are and how they feel about. Know, the health care we have and how much better it could be. Um, okay. And then, of course, you're, uh, you're in Austin. I'll mention one more site here. Uh, mm-hmm. HCFAT is healthcareforalltexas.org. And, um, you know, the people down in, in your state could get information from them. Okay. I'm going to be posting all of those sites on my uh, website post about this show later tonight. So if listeners want 
to um, find out more information, um, they can just go to my website later tonight, and all of that will be there. So thank you That's for, great. for all those resources. I will be posting that. Well, terrific. I appreciate that a lot, and I have my contact information there. If anybody uh, wants to get a hold of me, that would certainly be uh, my pleasure to answer questions or if some of those resources um, maybe have a dead link or, you know, somebody moved something, you know, we okay. can try to find the correction okay. for what that. Okay. Is- what is your contact information in case people are listening and they want to write it down? Well, um, my email is WN Davis. That's uh, William Nancy Davis, sort of, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. ACM. That's American Country Music. Remember that one, dot .org. Uh, okay. Well, it's not American Country Music. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then... On uh, on Twitter, I'm at WN Davis. Okay. And uh, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn.com slash N slash WNDII. Okay. So I'll, I will post and all of that as well. Great. Okay. Thank you so much for for coming on the show and opening up this conversation. Maybe as time goes on, we could have you back on and talk about progress that's being made and, you know, what's happening um, in moving towards this. Okay? Sure, yeah. Um, I have, if, uh, if we have just a minute, I'd like to mention that the legislation that's in Congress has uh, the Jayapal bill has 121 co-sponsors. That's the most ever. And then Bernie Sanders bill in the Senate has 14 co-sponsors. So things are happening, but, you know, I'm seeing more advertising about um, how nice the healthcare companies are. And, and of course, they're just <laughs> trying to, scare us into thinking that, uh, you know, they can handle it all when they haven't been handling it well at all. Right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time we've had together tonight. Yes, same here. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing with you again. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a brief break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And um, that was very interesting. It's 
you know, people don't really know that much about what is this Medicare for all. And I think that um, it's really important because uh, I'm not the only one who has experienced the downfalls of health insurance um, from both sides as a provider and as a and I think that we could do a lot better than that. All right, so I want to talk, continue with the conversation that I've been having about um, living a passionate life. And last week we were talking about, I was talking about compassion and generosity and um, how that really is, is of great benefit to finding our own passion and joy and the actual health benefits to ourselves and mental health benefits of acting with compassion and joy and volunteering and committing kind acts. And then, you know, previously I talked about um, engaging in creative behavior. Even if creative acts, even if it's not the um, the thing, <laughs> even if it's not what you feel is your passion, but just being creative opens you up to what is your passion and what is your purpose. And I talked about taking care of yourself and having self-compassion as an important part of the process and, and spending time meditating or walking in nature or just being quiet, what your heart is telling you um what what it is that you really want to do what is your passion because we often don't hear our own heart and then as we are moving along on our passionate journey living our passionate life or looking to find our passion and exploring we will no doubt come across critics it's just the way that it is. When you start to live a passionate life, when you start to do things differently than the pattern that you had been engaging in in your life up to that point, people around you start to feel suspicious or jealous or um, worried about you or they just don't like it because now you're you're forcing them to feel like they need to do something different and they will start criticizing you and sometimes the criticism comes from the people who care about you most and sometimes it comes from people who don't even know you and are just um, being unpleasant and trying to keep you from moving ahead. Um, there's a there's a quote that I like to um, that I like to repeat, but from Scott, the author Scott Stable, who wrote the book Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart, and he wrote, "Don't worry if you're making waves simply by being yourself. The moon does it all the time." And I like that one because when we start to live our passion, we really are getting in touch with our authentic true self and sometimes we're afraid to do that because we might make waves and you know people might not like it and we want everybody to like us but the fact is that no matter what you do you will never have everybody like you 
and you cannot live your passion at the same time as worrying about who likes you and who doesn't. And the other thing that is pretty crazy is some is very often our own enemy is ourselves that we are our worst critic um, we say things to ourselves that other people wouldn't even say to us that we would never say to our worst enemy um, I like to call that inner critic the inner troll and that inner troll just it's very hard to get rid of that voice um, the goal is to just laugh it off and not pay attention to it and to kind of have it muted. So some of the ways of taming that inner critic is by treating yourself like you are worthy, even if that voice is telling you that you're not. Doing things to take care of yourself, showing yourself compassion, doing some of the things that I've talked about earlier in this discussion in the past few weeks, taking breaks to walk in nature, um, taking time to just be, eating healthy food, getting plenty of sleep, engaging in creative activities, doing things that you enjoy. All of those things are ways of treating yourself like you're worthy. And the more that you do that, the more you'll start to believe that you are worthy and that inner troll will start to be more quiet. Also, surround yourself with positive people, people who are um, who are very positive about life and who are positive about you. That all helps us to feel that we are worthy and that it's worth taking this journey toward a more passionate life. And stop listening to the negativity of other people. There are going to be other people who are just negative about everything. And um, maybe we just you just need to say thank you for that and just keep doing what you're doing. And have a sense of humor, even about your own mistakes. If we can laugh at ourselves, that is extremely powerful at um, being able to overcome that inner critic. So I, I wrote a uh, blog recently that I think is related to this, and you can find it on my website, Dr. Mara Carpell, if you go to the blog page. It's also on Medium, if you look up my name, and it's on Savannah East, which is like a um, they sell yoga products and meditation products and clothes, comfortable clothes and cushions, but they also post blogs, and they posted my blog there. Um, and the blog is called Standing Strong and Confident in the Wake of Naysayers. Now, I was inspired to write this blog um, when I had an experience on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. And actually, as I wrote in this blog, I had been having trouble writing, but when I had this experience, it kind of got me, I was disappointed at, at this incident on LinkedIn, and it got me writing about it to kind of turn it around. Um, 
LinkedIn is a professional site, and people tend to post about the work that they're doing. I use it to post blogs and about this radio program and other events that I'm involved with professionally and commenting on other people's um, professional posts and networking with people. And it's it's not supposed to be like other social media where people are kind of becoming divisive and criticizing, but it is starting to become that way. And there was a post that a young woman posted. It was a photograph of herself. And she was where she had bright red hair that she had obviously dyed, not a natural red, but a bright red and a little nose ring and a tattoo. And she looked fashionable for the age group that she's in. That's the style. And she wrote that this is what a CEO looks like. And she noted that she's CEO of her own vegan food company. Most of the people responded in a very positive way supporting her. Um, She looked great, and she's obviously very successful. And the way her style of dress is probably similar to many of her customers. And so it works for her. Um, But there were several men that started criticizing the way that she dressed and saying that you can't make it in the business world looking like that and having that style. I was pretty surprised because the the fact is that she is successful. <laughs> she already is a CEO, and she was not posting it to ask her anybody's approval. Um, she was posting it for people to expand their mind and understand that a CEO of a company can look all different ways. There isn't one one standard way that a CEO looks. Um, you know, the, fa- the fashion that they wear. And I decided to support her and say, this is, you know, that's great. You look great. And kind of made a comment about how it was in supporting her that it was inappropriate to attack her for how she looked, considering that she was doing pretty well. And I subsequently was attacked. So it got me thinking about critics and how people just don't, they don't want to see people succeeding along a path if they're doing something in a way that's different than them. And that's a problem. We need to be open to all different styles and appearances and paths that people take. And so I wrote this blog um, about how to be able to keep moving forward and continue to spread our compassion and joy and live a passionate life and not let criticism from other people become obstacles because, you know, they really can become obstacles. When people criticize us, we tend to repeat those criticisms to ourselves. As I said, um, we can be our own worst critic. And so when somebody else says something negative about us, we can then 
believe them and say, see, I knew that I, you know, was doing it wrong or I'm not worthy or whatever it is that we're saying about ourselves. So, and that is the worst um, form of obstacle. That is the the largest obstacle, very difficult to get around once we start um, echoing the criticisms of other people to ourselves. So how do we stop ourselves from doing that? So one way is to to understand that sometimes people put other people down in order to feel superior. That's just a classic psychological um, finding. People who don't feel secure in their own path tend to put other people down to make themselves feel better and more superior. Um, and sometimes on social media, even people who don't typically do that out in the world tend to get pulled into the toxic atmosphere, the mob mentality of social media where they see other people putting someone down and so they join in. And it gets, and again, get that boost, that inner boost of feeling superior. And... Um, Standing this doesn't necessarily make it feel any better, but it helps us to remember the the sage wisdom of Don Miguel Ruiz, the best-selling author, who said, don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dreams. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. So that's a really important part of this. And it's it's hard to not take things personally. But when we remember that psychological finding that people put other people down in order to feel superior about themselves and the social psychological finding of about social media that people get caught up in a mob mentality even if they wouldn't normally be a put-down artist in person they become that way on social media then we can realize that this is not personal this has something to do with that um, that thing that that person is caught up in, whether their own need to feel superior or that mob mentality. And I'm going to continue to talk about this issue of not taking, of not listening to critics and not letting that become an obstacle um, along our path of of passion because it's a really big obstacle. So. Um, I'm going to continue with some of the tips on the next show. All right, so I'm going to stop right here, and um, we're going to listen to a little music about Mexico and go to our interview with Ruben and Minerva in Bay of Vendettas, Mexico.
the frigate flying so high now shows a man where to fish. Watch me send it, he lies in his hammock, teaches stories how to live, and he knows how to live. Hear the thunder high in that mountain, watch the clouds rolling in. Senorita, they dance on that shoreline, making plans for that kiss, and they know how to kiss. They say that we're one hour behind us. But the senoritas, they keep us in time That poppy CT just blows through my mind It takes me back to my place Punta Mita time Hola, Ruben and Minerva Hola How's everyone today? How's it going with the coronavirus? Uh, well, it's more relaxed than the past month. Does it seem like it's getting better? Yes, everything is improving. Um, they have just changed the traffic light to orange, and restaurants and business will begin to close later. Okay, great. So... Last week we went to Kimixta. Where are you taking where are you taking us today? Mexico City. Okay. Mexico City was founded by the conquistadors in fifty twenty one and today has a population of twenty one million seven hundred thousand in a city that is 573 square miles. The city is located in the mountains, about 7,300 feet up with cool temperatures all year. You can follow the steps of the Aztec at Milde Brustok of Ria Calo, experience century-old tradition of the Day of Dead, and so much more in Mexico City. With international restaurants, museums, and other exciting sites, you will need to spend at least one whole week here. The Zocalo or Town Square suffered much damage when the 8.1 earthquake struck Mexico City in 1985. That could be filled as Corpus Christi, Texas. Even parrots lost their way and ended up in the Rio Grande Valley. They were are painful now. In the south of Mexico City, a network of canals waves through a series of man-made islands in Pachimilco, the so-called Venice of the New World. Wow, that all sounds wonderful. Stay safe, guys, and adios. Until next time. Adios. Bye.
All right. So now we're come to the end of another show. And before we go, let me let you know what's happening next week. Um, next week, October 16th, we'll be back with another live show from Austin, Texas. And we'll be joined by Tim Harrison, founder of the Enjoyable Pain of Growth Academy, EPOG Academy. And he's going to discuss what that academy is about and what is enjoyable about pain and how pain aids in our growth. Tim will also be our guest artist, and he'll perform a piece he's written in spoken word. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show, listen to previous shows, go to my website, drmaricartel.com, and all those um, website links that we talked about earlier with Bill uh, will be posted later tonight, and you'll also be able to hear the show again on that on that post. You can also listen to the show in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years. And you can listen on Apple Podcasts in five minutes from now. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. I have some events coming up and blogs and other things that you might be interested in. You'll find it all there. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Thank you to my guests, Bill Davis, and to Minerva and Ruben in Bay of Bandatis, and thank you, Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week, and remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. C'est le bon ton roulé, that is what they all say. Et toi? Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 